0: Reports are coming in that Darkseid has been defeated by Superman. Though the invasion is in fact over, the looting continues. Deathstroke, how's it going? Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, I got all the money for you. It's, it's, no, 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 please! I, I got the money! Ah! You should have paid up sooner. You'd still have a head. Metropolis isn't your turf. I suggest you run back to Keystone City before something bad happens. Don't bother getting up, Deathstroke. You're going to jail. Not without a fight.
1: Hey everybody, this is Alex. This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, so be sure to head on over to the thebatmanuniverse.net to help support the TVU server cost drive. Right, Tim? You're nailing it, Dane, two episodes in a row. Good, good.
0: I don't think you even have to ask me anymore if you are getting it right. You're just on a
1: roll. <laughs> well, I mean... It's, it's in bold lettering right in front of me. So
0: <laughs> yeah, but kind
1: of,
0: you know, the problems I've had with uh, misspelling
1: <laughs> stuff on the show notes and not catching the errors. It, it is a lot to remember because <laughs> you have to remember this podcast is part of the Batman. Oh, first, first off, you have to remember the name. So what's our name this year? Alex. Okay. Oh, nice. So, hey, everybody. This is Alex. And you just got to remember this podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network. That's the first part. And then the second part. Is the be sure to head on over to, to the, the batmanuniverse.net dot net to help support the TVU server cost drive.
0: Yeah, it's a mouthful, <laughs> yeah. but you you nailed it. Yeah, it's
1: it, it's a lot, but I figure it's it, it it's only a couple couple of sentences, right?
0: Yeah, but looking at our past episodes, when we had to say stuff shorter than this we messed that up all the time.
1: <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah, like, like, you remember that, the, the headphones thing?
0: Yeah, huh, that's right. We always <laughs> used
1: to screw that up.
0: Uh, 117 episodes in, and we're now just getting our intros on a, you no, know,
1: normal, smooth basis. <laughs> well, it's better late than never. I yeah. <laughs> guess. And, better late than never, uh, the Yankees seem to be uh, doing really good.
0: I'm so glad you brought that up, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect that. At all this was going to (laughs) happen, especially after the trading deadline. But, man, usually when you sell off your best players at the trade deadline, you get worse. But they got better, (laughs) much better. And I have the game on actually right now, checking on the score at 0-0. But if they win today, they will be just three games out, a first place in the division, which I thought was gone. (laughs) Like, no shot whatsoever. Wild card, you got an inkling they can make some... Uh, noise in there like mid-August but now yep. they're just a game back of the second wild card so
1: wow.
0: things are looking great for the Yanks which I didn't think was going to happen this year plus what makes it better we got awesome prospects to build up our farm system for the future <laughs> so yeah it's like a wow.
1: win-win well wow. for once you guys drafted good prospects I know <laughs> it's, it's kind of hard to to believe
0: yeah their catcher Gary Sanchez man dude, he, he's Defensively and offensively, he looks like be right. a great player.
1: Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, the A's are <laughs> – uh, it, 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 it's kind of done for them. Yeah,
0: I was going to ask you, Dane, were you sad to see Coco Crisco?
1: Oh, you just have to bring that up.
0: <laughs> He's been an A for so long.
1: First, it was Josh Reddick, who's a Dodger now.
0: Yeah, now not it's, really
1: doing much. Now it's Crisp. And then we we had that whole Billy Butler thing going on.
0: Oh, that's right. <laughs> he got a concussion because someone punched him. <laughs> right.
1: We had that going on, and then you know the thing with Coco uh, being or not being played, and now it's he now he's gone. So uh, maybe it's maybe next year. Uh, I can't even see it. <laughs> oh, Wow. So maybe okay, 2018. Okay. <laughs> maybe 2017, 18. All right. 2017. It'll be a good rebuild year. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. They did one of their
0: surprise years like they had in 2012 and 13, where yeah. no one expected them to do anything and they won the
1: West. Yeah, but unfortunately, they're the last place. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you got to have some team to root for, though. Are you? Going back to the Mets just a little bit, no, Met fandom.
1: <laughs> Not after the whole Tim Tebow thing. <laughs>
0: no, no. Oh, you don't think he's going to help them?
1: <laughs> I don't know why people are getting excited about that. I mean, he he's playing rookie ball.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a
1: long shot. If he even maybe the five years, four, five years.
0: Yeah, no, no way. I mean, I don't think he'll know him next year. Like, if anything, yeah, I think the best he can hope for on a major league level if he gets called up in september when the rosses expand and just you know to see what he can do in that stretch but other than that it, 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 I, don't I mean see. E-
1: even then I w- i'd say that's highly unlikely mm. because yeah they signed him but they put him in rookie ball uh, know, Yeah, if they were more confident about him that they'd, they'd at least put him in double a right and they're
0: all saying this isn't a publicity stunt is purely baseball reasons why we signed. I like, yeah, I'm sure a little bit, but come on, really? It's going to put people in the seats in, like, your minor league games and, like you said, rookie ball stuff where people who wouldn't normally go are going to go to see yeah. depot. Now he does that baseball.
1: Where's he playing at?
0: It's some, it's, I think it's going to be, like, in Jersey or Brooklyn, something like that. So oh. It's going to be in New York.
1: Yeah, yeah. I also heard he he's still going to keep his um, – uh, you know, his football thing going on. Yeah, uh, like
0: he does uh, a show, I think, on ESPN or something.
1: Oh, like, oh, he does a show. I thought yeah. he did, like, color commentary kind of thing.
0: No, it was, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. But again, I don't know the full details, but that's yeah. uh, stupid, because he has to have like, Friday and Saturday off to do that. But then I've seen a lot of sports shows saying, you know, if you're really invested and committed to doing baseball, you'd say, forget that. I'm <laughs> devoting my time to baseball, but nope. Yeah, I don't think it's going to work out.
1: <laughs> yeah, how many two-sport athletes are there? It's Bo yeah. Jackson. Yeah, Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders. Michael Jordan. Yeah,
0: well, uh, he didn't have a really successful baseball
1: Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Did he ever make it to the, the majors? I don't
0: think so, but I'm not 100% sure. Like, I don't know if he was a September call-up or not. Because yeah. I think that's the only way they would have called him up. But. Yeah, yeah. I want to say no.
1: How did Michael Jordan get uh, signed with the the White Sox? Yeah, I don't know the full story
0: on that, but I know, well, of course, being in Chicago. Well,
1: isn't the same owner for the Bulls
0: owns the White Sox? Oh, does he? I think so. Mm. I might be wrong, but I think there is a connection with that. So maybe that's why he went with the White Sox.
1: Oh, yeah. Anyway, that's our uh, baseball talk. and Tim Tebow.
0: Yep, and I'll just end the conversation right now. Checking on the Yankee game, back to back home runs by the Yankees, so they're up three <laughs> nothing. Things are looking. Uh, good. Who homered? They're they're Gary Sanchez. I was just talking about. sure. <laughs> <so>. really? Yep. <laughs> Must have been because we were talking about him.
1: Um. Anyway, our document rises minute by minute commentary. Tim, you know what I didn't realize? What's We that? are officially under a hundred minutes three episodes ago.
0: Oh, really? Wow. Yeah,
1: we're on the 97th minute.
0: <laughs> wow, we're getting double yeah. digits now.
1: Yeah, we're on the 97th minute of this. Uh...
0: So, yeah, we're going to have a milestone
1: in three more episodes. Where? Oh, no, no, sorry, sorry. We have 97 minutes to go.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but still, it still sounds better than what we were usually at.
1: Yeah, true, true, but... Uh, For this episode, we're going from minute 67 to 68, so um, just queue up your HD DVD, your beta tape, your laser laser disc. That's what I'm here for. (laughs) Your laser disc, your projector, Uh, make sure you get all those things.
0: You see, Dane, you got the... Intro to the episode, down pat now. Now you just got to start remembering LaserDisc.
1: <laughs> I know, LaserDisc. I don't know why I keep on forgetting it because it's so big that you can't. Yeah. <laughs> That's like a vinyl record. <laughs> um, we're going for a minute 67 to 68. So just cue up uh, your media. And I'm going to give the countdown. So, Tim, are you ready? Let's do it. All right. Three, two, one, hit play. And we're still in the hospital.
0: And... Foley is still here. You know, seeing him in the scene is making me think of. Uh, did you see the Netflix show Stranger Things?
1: Yeah, I did. Yeah,
0: <laughs> he was in that as a uh, you know the head of that uh, laboratory or that government organization. His white hair. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like you didn't recognize it until when he started talking. Like you know, he sounds familiar. Oh, that's right. He was, it's Foley from The Dark Knight Rises. Right? Hey, hey, but we transition to a new scene of Bruce being locked out of
1: Wayne Manor. <laughs>
0: I mean, this is something I don't think we've ever seen before for Batman, being locked out of his own home.
1: Why is he locked out?
0: Well, he did say they allowed him to keep the house.
1: Yeah. When he was talking to... Oh, maybe Alfred. Alfred, right? Because Alfred would open the door for him.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know.
1: And we're going to end... No.
0: (laughs) ...with him and Talia in a room full of, you know, covered with blankets so things don't get dusty.
1: Why was she there?
0: Oh, uh, I think plus all part of the plan to get him, you know, his mind occupied on other things before his fight with Bane just to make him that much more weak.
1: Yeah, I know, but wouldn't Batman be suspicious about that?
0: Oh, he doesn't know she's involved with that yet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's keeping up the good facade. Yeah, you're right. I you.
1: Yeah, I, I I watched the um, uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's not a good movie. Yeah, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Spider-Man's awesome in it,
0: but everything else, yeah.
1: (laughs) I thought Andrew Garfield was a good um, Peter Parker, Spider-Man.
0: You see, I think he's a good Spider-Man, but not a great Peter Parker, or at least not the Peter Parker that I'm used to seeing and like to
1: see. And, um, what's her name? Emma Stone was a good, uh, Gwen Stacy. Yeah,
0: she was real good.
1: So, so Mary Jane was cast and everything? Mm
0: -hmm, Yeah, they just uh, cut her scenes out just, you know, to kind of set her up for later on. Oh, for the third one. Yeah. Oh. But I don't think that's happening anymore.
1: (laughs) You know what that movie kind of reminds me of? It kind of reminds me of Batman Forever. Yeah, I could see that, especially how the villains play out. Yeah, like, uh, Rhino and, uh, the electric guy.
0: Uh, electro. <laughs> yeah, electro
1: it, yeah it's it's kind of weird because they begin the movie with with rhino right and you don't see him for a good hour and a half after that yeah to the very end yeah to the very very end
0: I kind I, I actually think that's pretty cool where you know spider-man has so many great villains you're never gonna yeah. use them all in a movie so you know most superhero or action movies have an action portion at the beginning, so why not just put one of his, you know, villains in there who you know is not going to ever serve as a main villain for a movie, but just to get him in the universe for the movies, just have him be a short appearance in the beginning. But then at yeah. the end where he has that mech suit, well, that did not look good. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, we know the rhino suit's kind of corny and cheesy, but you could have come up with a better redesign than just a robot mech suit.
1: So, so i come, um... How come Gwen Stacy was working for Oscorp?
0: Uh, She's—I think she like, interned there, I believe, in the first Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man movie. Yeah. Oh. So she kind of had her in already
1: at that company from the start. Oh, I see. And, I mean, I guess I a, another negative for that movie would be that that uh, Harry Osborn mm-hmm. and and Peter are supposed to be like really good friends, but then. I don't know. It just doesn't work because it's like they're, they're reminiscing about that their pastimes by that, that waterfront or the, by that river thing. And it's like, yeah, but we we as an audience haven't seen that. You, you guys are just talking about it. Mm-hmm. You know?
0: Yeah, I think the whole thing with Harry Osborne and especially him becoming the Green Goblin, which is so yeah. rushing that it was like, no, like don't make him become a goblin like that, that quickly. It was just. You know, they it just felt like, okay, you know, Gwen Stacy dies by the Green Goblin, so yeah. the Goblin has to be the one to kill her because we wanted her to die in this movie and all that. And they just felt way too rushed and shoehorned in there, where it did not work at all, despite being a pretty cool fight sequence. But
1: so, <laughs> Yeah, and another weird thing is like it, the the electro villain.
0: Didn't I, he remind you a little bit of Jim Carrey's Riddler? How <laughs> that you said of Yeah, yeah, forever? he did. And. Uh, uh,
1: and I was just about to say, like, is Electro really obsessed with Spider-Man? No, not, not in really. In the comics? No. Oh. <laughs> That's what I thought. I mean, I don't understand why they added that to the character, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the
0: right choice for him. I like Electro as a villain. He has cool powers and everything. But even look, I mean, it, it, we all know his classic design with the green suit and the yellow mask and the shape of electricity. Yeah. Like that probably would have come off a little cheesy in live action. So I did like how they just kind of made him just almost pure electricity blue skin and all that. Yeah. But, so he did look cool. but And then the music in that fight scene at Times Square it was just like all over the place. This music <laughs> thing was just awful. <laughs> I was like, what is that?
1: Yeah. It's it, it's not a good movie but my my dad loves that, uh, th- those movies. Really? He likes the first one, he likes the second one. He likes all three uh, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man
0: <laughs> So man, your dad's hardcore Spider-Man fan
1: Yeah, he loves Spider-Man I don't know why I mean, Well, <laughs> I don't know why <laughs> He, he likes Spider-Man 3, Tim
0: <laughs> Yeah <laughs> <laughs> hey, If he gets enjoyment out of that, that's cool <laughs> At least it worked for someone
1: But anyway uh, Why don't you tell uh, everybody at home About uh, our future topic for this episode yeah,
0: so we're going to keep it on the movie theme, except, you know, since we're got our Batman podcast, we're going to go on the DC <laughs> front now instead of Spider-Man and Marvel. So uh, our future topic is going to be Deathstroke coming to the DCEU. And over the last two weeks, we've gotten some big news <laughs> regarding Deathstroke and his role in the DCEU and the upcoming Batman film. So going to give our thoughts and reactions on that. So first off, I'm going to start with the tweet we got last week from Ben Affleck. I think it was, like, might have actually been two weeks ago, but it was like on a Monday morning, and I, I just see, I'm checking Twitter like I usually do first thing in the morning, <laughs> and just see this video of people retweeting about from Ben Affleck, and it's just this test footage of Deathstroke in his armor, looking awesome, like his suit always does, and just man, wait, what is this? Is, is this real? <laughs> is this a fan thing? But the, wait, no, it's tweeted from Ben Affleck, so this has to be real, Deathstroke. Is they're doing something with Deathstroke in these DC uh, movies, and it was awesome. So, I thought that was you know a different but yet cool way to get fans excited about Deathstroke coming in the DC And at this point, we didn't know what his role was going to be. So, but just seeing him visually is like a test footage type thing. Because what it was was Ben Affleck looked like he was filming from his phone, uh, filming what was coming off of the camera and what they were shooting does Deathstroke look like in this warehouse, and he's just moving slowly closer towards the camera, like moving his head with uh, his bandanas blowing in the background, get a good look of his armor, so it was a really cool tease, and it got me and I'm sure a lot of our batmans excited just to know that he's coming and he's looking this good, so I thought that was a great way just to tease fans to let us know that he's coming, something different, which you know it's usually either just a tweet saying Deathstroke's coming or. Uh, an image teasing it, but we got actual video footage. I thought was awesome, so I love that. That was our first uh, insight of Deathstroke coming
1: into the DCE universe. So,
0: what did you think when you first saw that tweet, Dan?
1: Yeah, I don't know how to feel about that. Um, I'm excited for the Ben the, the Ben Affleck Batman movie, but it's just one of those things where I'm not sure how it's going to play out. You know, <laughs> I mean. First off, like, why Deathstroke? I mean, it's not a villain that everybody knows. Like, my my dad wouldn't know who Deathstroke was, right? Yeah. I would why, say he's,
0: he's getting more and more popular. I think Arrow definitely helped, but I know what you're saying. I mean, he's not up there on the top tier villains, definitely.
1: Yeah, but, it, I mean, it, if, if you like superhero movies and you're not into the comics, what I'm saying is, like, you're not going to know who Deathstroke is, right? And w- why not go after one of Batman's villains? bigger villains like I mean not Penguin but uh you know Two-Face or somebody
0: yeah see this is you know when we first got this tons of speculation going on as far as where's Destro gonna be is he gonna be in Justice League because we know they're filming Justice League right now so that's probably where they shot this test footage he's gonna have a short appearance in there but then I'm I think shortly after there, the rat posted a story saying that he's going to be the main villain in the Batman movie. And even seeing that, I kind of figured he probably would be in the Batman villain or be in the Batman movie. But I'm not 100% sure he's going to be the main villain because it's kind of what you're saying. Um, Deathstroke, I mean, he's a cool villain. I like him a lot, but I still don't know if he'd be great as you know just the only villain in a batman movie and maybe it would be i mean got jeff johns writing the script so i'm confident if they are just using deathstroke as the main villain he could come up with a cool story but it's still one of those things when we're, we're speculating on as far as what would be best for having deathstroke in the dceu and in a batman movie and honestly <laughs> right now what i really care about the most and i think we're gonna get is just an awesome fight sequence between batman <laughs> and deathstroke that's going to be the highlight of his appearance in the movie whether he's the main villain or just as a hired gun because we know he's a mercenary so and that's kind of the thing right now anyway i'm hoping they go for where he is not just the main villain but uh we're going to see other villains in there cuz i'm gotten accustomed to or liking the idea of the other rumors we had where we're going to see a lot of batman's classic villains in an Arkham Asylum style type movie and you know I still like to have a hard time thinking they're not going to use Jared Leto's Joker in a solo Batman movie so I still think he's going to play a factor in there but if Deathstroke's in there just like I said as a mercenary who gets hired by one of Batman's villains and we get an awesome fight sequence i'm going to be a happy Batman because you watch the warehouse sequence and we know how awesome deathstroke is a fighter and batman is and seeing them go at it in live action is just going to be geez one of the coolest batman movie moments ever i think if it's done right and which i think they will because they haven't disappointed on the action front that's for sure and just the potential of what that fight sequence could be and the amazing choreography they can have and showing off their martial arts skill it's going to be incredible
1: Yeah, I'm sure the fight scenes are going to be amazing, but what I'm worried about is the fact that, let's say Deathstroke is working for somebody else, Mm -hmm. right? We've already seen that, not only in Batman vs Superman, but all three Christopher Nolan movies, you know? Mm -hmm. So I just don't really want to see that again, but if that's what we're going to get and they can do it in a... In a really good way, then I'd be happy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I kind of know what you're saying about that.
0: I mean, we've kind of sat a little bit with Dark Knight Rises with Bane. Yeah, and so yeah, but kind of what I'm thinking too is if they do decide to make him just the main villain to add a little more uh, to his story, because I mean, I haven't read too many stories with their comics with Deathstroke in it, and th- the one story that comes to mind where he was the main villain is in, not in the comics, but in the animated movie uh, Son of Batman, which wasn't my favorite. And there he was kind of part of the League of Shadows, and he was going to take – or he takes over or kills Ra's al Ghul, tries to take over the League. And I just felt it didn't fit with Deathstroke, so that wasn't the best example of a main story featuring him as the villain. But I did like Kyle Higgins' run from the New 52 like, way back when it first started. Because it had to do with him, you know, in his relationship with his son, trying to help him out. And if they were to do something that kind of ties in the aspect of like family stuff with Deathstroke and with Batman and maybe with Robin, because we know Deathstroke, he was mainly a villain for the Teen Titans back in his early, early appearances in the comics. And I know that Teen Titans can't be established in the movie universe because meta humans are just starting to come about. And even though, you know, Batman has been established for a while, other heroes haven't. So really can't have a Teen Titans uh, be, you know, part of Batman or Robin's history. But what I'm kind of hoping for is maybe Deathstroke had a history with Robin, whether it's Dick Grayson or Jason Todd or the one, whoever's going to be the Robin that was killed by the Joker. But just have some history of, you know, him dealing with the Robin, one of the Robins or other members of the Bat family. If it gets revealed later that Batgirl has been a part of this with Robin. And all that. It's kind of doing a little nod to his history with the Teen Titans and stuff, having I mean, it with Robin. And then you counterbalance that with, you know, if it was a Robin that died by the Joker, and then Deathstroke's maybe uh, facing something similar where, you know, he's searching for his son who's either missing or is in danger of being killed. And maybe that puts, for some reason, puts that at odds with him or Batman. But somehow it ties into, you know, both a Batman and Deathstroke, uh, the reasoning whatever they're going through in the story ties into you know his actual son and Batman, arrogant son and Robin. So I think that could be an interesting way to go about that because it did make for a compelling story in Kyle Higgins' run in the New 52 with Deathstroke and his uh, family relationships and drama that he went through. So if they go something on that route, I could see it working for him as a main villain. But if I had to choose, I'd rather him just be a supporting villain than just the main thread. But it's something we're going to have to wait and see. And then the other thing I was wondering is, is he going to have a short appearance in Justice League, like a little cameo there? Because, that's, like I said, that's where they were filming that test footage that came out. Or maybe they were prepping just for the Batman movie, or they're going to shoot a little cameo appearance in Justice League. So I don't see how he's necessarily going to fit into the story of Justice League, so I kind of don't think that's going to happen. But it does make you think, since that's what they're
1: filming right now. Maybe something with Gordon, because Gordon's in the movie, right? That's true. Yeah. So, so maybe they connect those those two.
0: That's a good point, actually. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, Gordon tells Sub Batman something what's going on, but regarding Deathstroke, but he can't really deal with it right now because he yeah. has to worry about the invasion from Apocalypse and all that, so good call on that. I can actually see that now.
1: <laughs> well, thank you, Tim. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so that was the news we got almost two weeks ago, but now just a few days ago on September 8th, we found out who was going to be playing Deathstroke, and that's going to be Joe, now. I'll see if I can even pronounce his name right. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Maggiello. Maggiello. <laughs> so we're just going to call him Joe. So <laughs> <laughs> no, that was actually kind of a rumor that was going around before we got this news because I believe he
1: was. I don't
0: know if he sent out the tweet, but it was reported that he was. Okay,
1: Tim, Tim I got a, uh, a pronunciation.
0: Yeah, I'll go for it's it. It's
1: Manginello.
0: Manginello, okay.
1: Yeah. Did
0: you typed it in somewhere and Get her a yeah correct i did, <laughs> <Okay>. I did. <laughs> all right
1: so joe manganello okay yeah
0: so we don't sound like complete idiots trying to say <laughs> his name
1: <laughs> well i mean i I've, i haven't seen him in anything i don't think i have
0: mm, yeah i was just gonna ask you if you have because the only thing i've seen him in was you know what you probably did see him in something but you just don't remember he what was in that? the first spider-man movie as flash thompson
1: Yeah, I don't remember that.
0: (laughs) But you remember a scene, right, where Parker accidentally throws the food uh, from the cafeteria on him, and he's about to pick a fight in the hallways. That's him? Uh Uh-huh, yeah.
1: Oh, man. It's hard to think how old that movie is now. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) because I'm looking at him right now, and he has white hair. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he almost looks like Slade Wilson.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So he was in that. I I mean, I haven't seen him in much either. But the most recent thing I saw him in was in uh, the latest Pee Wee movie. I believe <laughs> Pee-wee's Big Holiday. Yeah. Where he's like this motorcycle cool guy who Pee-wee gets enamored with and wants to be like... <laughs> <so>. <laughs> it was in like a comedic role, but he was pretty cool with that. So.
1: Okay, what? so so he's in... Uh, I, I'm just looking at his uh, uh, movie filmography. So uh-huh. he was in Out of Courage 2, Out for Vengeance. Never seen it. <laughs> Me neither. Uh, Spider-Man 1 and 3. He was in 3?
0: Huh. I don't it's remember. Sil- three.
1: It's, it's called a silent cameo. I don't uh. know. If, I guess you didn't have any lines, but you yeah, see,
0: apparently not. No, I didn't <laughs> even know like Flash Thompson was in that.
1: Or yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, he is in Impact Point, wounded behind enemy enemy lines, Columbia. What to expect when you're expecting uh, Magic Mike, sabotage, Knight of Cups, tumble down. Magic Mike XXL, (laughs) Pee-wee's Big Holiday, and Smurf's The Lost Village, which he is filming right now. okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so like I said, only two of his filmographies that I've seen.
1: (laughs) They're both Spider-Man movies. (laughs) No, I said Pee-wee. Oh, Pee-wee, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. But I think he's most famous for it. He was in the vampire show True Blood.
1: Oh, yeah, I see that now. Okay.
0: But, yeah, I mean, just... From those small, well, I shouldn't say Spider Man because he was a lot younger there, but even seeing him in Pee Wee and the images that I'm seeing him now, I could totally see him as Slade Wilson. And what I still get a vibe like he kind of has the look that Manu Bennett did in Arrow to be uh, his version of Slade Wilson. And I love that portrayal of Deathstroke in Arrow. So if this version is going to be kind of similar to that, I'd be totally okay with that. And I know it's not going to be an exact, you know, copy of, of that performance but if it's kind of going to that similar route with him not as far as his backstory or anything but just how he acted and was portrayed on Arrow I'd be down with that because like I said I love Manu Bennett's performance as Deathstroke and for me <laughs> we haven't had much to go off other Deathstroke performances but he has been the best so if he's anything close to good as that I'd, I'd be one happy fan so yeah all around I'm just Excited to see Deathstroke in a DC movie in live action. So, the costume I think looks great from that test footage, and I'm sure it's going to get some tweaks later on <laughs> when they're before the final one is finished and they're actually filming. Uh, the actor looks good for it, so yeah, I'm just all around excited for it. And I know Dane, you're waiting to see how the story uh, pans out from it, if it will work as a main villain or whatnot. But again. I'm just really excited to see that fight sequence. (laughs) It's gonna Batman and Deathstroke, one-on-one. That's what I want to see just a one-on-one fight between Batman and Deathstroke kind of like what we had in Dark Knight Rises with Batman and Bane. And then I'm just gonna be, you know just be a a fanboy where, you know, I'm not overly concerned about story and characterization. I'm just gonna, you know lower, not lower expectations, but just (laughs) geek out over a fight sequence because, you know as much as we all want these movies to have great stories and be good, we want to have cool action in it, too. So I'm just excited that, for the most part, 99%, uh, we're going to get that no matter what. So uh, it's going to be exciting to see the lead-up to Deathstroke's appearance and, you know, become more of a popular character, hopefully, once you actually see him in one of these movies.
1: Hopefully, Tim. Too.
0: But uh, took to Twitter, also, once this news came out and ran a poll. This was before... Um, we got the news uh, yesterday, and I should have said, too, that the Wall Street Journal was the one who uh, broke the story that uh, Joe... See, I already forgot it, Dane. Manganiello. <laughs> <Manginello>. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Manganiello was cast <laughs> as Deathstroke. Uh, the Wall Street Journal had another pretty good article as far as uh, the new direction that Warner Brothers is taking with Jeff Johns at the helm, and during that, uh, he did confirm that Deathstroke would be in the Batman movie. But uh, before that... We were speculating, oh, is he just going to be Justice League? Is he going to be just in the Batman movie? What's going to be his role? So I put a poll out um, asking you know, what listeners and our followers thought, what they think would be best for Deathstroke. And thir- 23% said a small role in Justice League. And 22% said a small role in Batman. And then a whopping 55% said um, they want to see him as the main villain in the Batman movie, which it looks like um, was going to be the case. And a few comments also, we got one from James Garner who uh, voted main Batman vi- or main villain in a Batman movie, but also said, but cameo in Justice League first. And then a Batman Knight fan said, since this is the first time we see Deathstroke in a Batman movie, I say make him as the main villain. Then we got a couple of tweets from Alex who said, I would love to a solo movie to get some Alfred slash Wintergreen scenes swapping stories about Bruce and Slade and their children. That actually probably would make for a good scene, especially with Jeremy Irons' Alfred. <laughs> It says, I love so many bad villains, but most can't hold a film. Deathstroke could, and it would give us something different. And then also in regards to the casting of Joe Manganiello, if I said it right that time. he did. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Uh, We got a reply from uh, Mike, who said that uh, he has seen him, or is more familiar than his stuff than we are. He goes, while I haven't seen him in much... He has the look of a BA. I am intrigued to know if he is the main villain or one of many. So, but yeah, Mike's on the same page as far as our speculation too. So it looks like it's going to be a lot of speculation for a while because, as we mentioned, we don't even know exactly when the solo Batman film is going to come out. So until then, speculate away. <laughs> but again, it's just so cool that Deathstroke's going to be in the Batman movie and you know, just seeing him side by side. Going up against Batman just visually is going to be awesome because Deathstroke arguably has one of the coolest costumes in the DC Universe, I would say. Not close to Batman's, but (laughs) it's one of the better ones out there. And I'm glad they're keeping it pretty accurate from that test footage.
1: He was also one of the hardest fights on, uh, was it um, Arkham Origins?
0: Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that was a tough one.
1: Yeah, it was like you had to figure out the rhythm of how he was fighting and press the correct buttons.
0: I know that man. That one took me a while. I gotta say, yeah. None of the bosses really gave me any trouble in the Arkham games, but that one did. <laughs> I
1: actually had to look that up on uh, IGN. Wow, how to, how to beat <laughs> Deathstroke?
0: Yeah, it's, I was thinking, should I? But uh, that would have yeah. bothered me if I did. I was like, no, I gotta do this on my own. I just kept trying and trying until I found the pattern that I had to do to beat right, him. Right. But yeah, even that's a great example of how cool a fight scene Batman and Deathstroke can have. So. Yeah, if we get something even close to that. It's, and even that CG uh, teasers we got for Arkham Lord just before they came out, those were yeah. cool examples of what Batman and Destro fight
1: sequences could be. Right, so right. The potential is all there. I'm hoping for the best. I really am. Yep, and hopefully we'll get it. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of upcoming things, um, it looks like the, the, uh, the first big cro- uh, cro- big crossover event is going to be Justice League versus Suicide Squad. Um, It's going to start in December, and uh, apparently Batman is questioning the need for Waller's Task Force X.
0: Yeah, when I saw this, this is another story actually broken by the Wall Street Journal. I mean, they've been (laughs) coming out with a lot of the news story the past two weeks on the Batman (laughs) front. But yeah, it took me by surprise that this being kind of the first event since rebirth that it's going to be about the suicide squad and i know the reason why obviously because of the movie and they want to write off the coats of the movie's success financially and you know have a tie-in with that so despite that because that always bugs me a little bit when comic events do that and it ties in with stuff that's going on in the movies i know Every time a character goes away, they always come back when their new movie comes out. Batman, Spider Man, Captain America, all that. Every time they have a new movie come out, they're back into their role as comics that they were missing for a while. And despite all that, though, I'm excited for the potential of the story could be because Suicide Squad going up against the Justice League is something we haven't really seen too many stories of, and that could be pretty cool, especially like. The description you read said Batman going up against or not thinking there's a reason for the Suicide Squad is going to go up against Amanda Waller. So that should be cool. And I'm sure it's going to come off uh, the story we're going to get in the Batman title, which we'll get into a little bit once we review uh, the issue for this episode regarding the Suicide Squad and Batman. So looks like on the Batman front, it's going to be dealing a lot with the Suicide Squad in the next few months leading up to this event. So it sounds cool. I'm going to be excited for it. I just hope it doesn't, you know, go on too long than it should have. And there's not many delays where <laughs> you forget about it, and then all of a sudden the next issue's out. Kind of what's going on with the Dark Knight Returns Part Three? <laughs> so it's been a few months since I got the last issue of that, and I gotta probably look up to see when the next one's coming out. But it always drags events down when there's massive <laughs> delays, and you kind of forget what's going on with the story. I,
1: I totally forgot that that was still going on.
0: <laughs> Case in point, <laughs> right there. <laughs>
1: Um and apparently the story is going to focus on the character Killer, Killer Frost a new addition to the Suicide Squad. Do you know about her? Well,
0: uh, my just experience with Killer Frost is from Does a Sleep the animated series and she was in the Assault on Arkham movie that um had Killer Frost in it. And of course she's on or her Alter ego before she became Killer Frost is all the flash right now. So, well, when they went to Earth 2, they actually did encounter Killer Frost, which is pretty cool. So, I haven't read the new 52 Suicide Squad yet, but I guess she's not
1: part of that team right now. Oh, you mean the rebirth? Rebirth, yeah.
0: (laughs) I should have said I had read the new 52 Suicide Squad, (laughs) but rebirth I haven't read yet. So, So, I guess she hasn't been part of the team yet there, but maybe she will once the story starts. But Another thing I'm questioning, because I'm excited to see Justice League take on the Suicide Squad, but the Justice League should be able to take them, no problem. So with Superman, the two Green Lanterns, Flash, Wonder Woman. So I'm curious to see how they're going to make it an even fight when they come to blow as if something will take out the more powerful members of the Justice League or keep them incapacitated for a while, where Batman is the main member of the League who has to deal with them. So be interesting to see how they pull that off.
1: Yeah, and I... I kind of feel like the the rebirth has started started off better than uh, um, the new fifty two did.
0: Oh, no question.
1: <laughs> I mean, I know it, we're only six issues in now, but it, I mean, it feels like they 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 know what they're doing this time. It's not a bunch of ideas thrown into one thing and changing the mm. the entire you know point of characters. You know. It, it, it feels like this is they, they understand more of what they're doing this time around
0: no, I totally agree yeah. And yeah so far the books that I've been reading have been maintaining their quality so far from once they started They haven't dipped I'd say at all <laughs> from once the first yeah. just came out and being twice monthly too I don't think that's affected the quality from the art and story standpoint too, which is, was a concern we had about right. before going into it. So yeah, it's yeah, I'm cool.
1: actually surprised that <laughs> you know they're they're able to tell a good story bi-weekly mm. and keep keep that quality there. But totally, I should yeah.
0: say too that uh, the Suicide Squad versus Justice League is being written by Joshua Williamson. He's doing the Flash right now, and Flash has been good also. They have a pretty cool story arc where a lot of... (laughs) Central City has tons of speedsters now after a Speed Force storm has struck different people with the Speed Force lightning, and everyone's trying to cope with their powers, and Flash is trying to be a mentor and teacher to them. So it's a pretty cool twist on the whole Flash and Speed Force mythos when you have tons of ordinary people getting affected by it and are trying to cope (laughs) with these new powers. So. If it's as good as his Flash uh, issues have been so far, uh, Suicide Squad versus Justice League should be a good read also.
1: Yeah, and our next uh, piece of news is the Telltale Batman game is going to get a second episode and it's going to be out on on uh, September 20th. So, not next week, but the following week.
0: Yeah, so on our next episode, we'll be giving another review of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've Glad the release dates aren't so spread apart. So we got the last one in August, and now we're getting it in September for the second chapter, which isn't a too long of a wait. So, yeah, I can't wait, because <laughs> you know how much I love the first one. So we're going to have to do the same review we did for the first one, where we go over what choices we made <laughs> and how different they were.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and what I'm hoping is that, um, let's say we pick different things, right, Tim? uh uh-huh. I'm hoping that our ending of that episode is different from each yeah. other. Yeah, you know, it's it, instead of just the 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 voice. Act, I mean, the the dialogue is different. You know, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah,
0: and um, that would be cool if it is in this episode. But kind of me wonders if we're gonna have to wait to see drastic story changes until the final chapter, where all our decisions come into play, and then we have to make one final big one that'll change the ending, maybe. So, yeah. it'd be cool if we get kind of those on um, uh, situations on the different episodes, but uh, more than likely, I think we're going to have to wait till the final one.
1: Yeah.
0: But we'll see. Either way, it's going to be great.
1: Um, and our last piece of news is that the uh, Re- Return of the Cape Crusaders, the, the Batman 66 animated uh, movie, is going to be uh, released in movie theaters on October 10th, um, just like The Killing Joke was.
0: Yeah, I mean, so Killing Joke was a great success financially for that. So I'm glad they're already immediately doing it for the next Batman movie. And I said this when I talked about the Killing Joke, hopefully this will become a new trend for at least start off with Batman. But maybe for a Justice League movie down the line, it will get a theatrical release. So I'm totally happy with that. My local theater is playing uh, Return of the Cape Crusaders on the 10th. So I'll probably be going to that also. <laughs> it's going to be a totally different experience for the Killing Joke, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, so yeah that's it for our news um, now we, we can get into a conversation with Alex slash listener feedback and Alex has sent us one of the longest emails that he's ever sent <laughs> so, so I'm going to read it Tim and if you all of a sudden just hear silence on my end that was me passing off <laughs>
0: <laughs> alright don't forget to pace yourself Zane okay. deep breaths
1: <laughs> um, Alex says Dear gentlemen, thanks again for another, another great episode. If they do Nightfall in animation, and I hope they do, I wouldn't mind if they change the story when it gets to the third uh, Bane and Jean-Paul confrontation. It bugged me as a kid when Jean-Paul act, acted all high and mighty when he beat Bane when Bane gave him th- the time to prepare for a one-on-one fight and Jean-Paul came in dressed like a tank. <laughs> There's an example of a story where I, wanted, uh, where I wanted a villain to beat the hero. I was kind of happy for Bane when he beat up Armored Up Asriel without his Venom pump during No Man's Land. The reason I didn't like John Paul is similar to a problem I have with most superpower vigilantes. Even though I didn't like Batman in BVS, I was on his side when Superman shoved him. Tossed him around, plowed him through a building, and chucked him at the bat signal, where Batman almost bounced off the building. This super bully problem was actually why I didn't like seeing Wonder Woman fight regular soldiers in the trailer. When I, when I say how powerful powerful she, when I saw how powerful powerful she was in PBS, I inferred from the awe-inspiring mus- music and the the dynamic camera shots that they were implying that she was being heroic fighting normal dudes who are risking life and limb on the battlefield. She has android clay powers of Zeus's strength, Hermes' speed, Athena's wisdom, Aphrodite's beauty, and whatever the rest were. (laughs) I first thought this might be her imperfect form, and she was in her perfect form in BVS. But she looks the same, and her voice didn't change. Maybe this isn't going to be an issue in the movie. But whatever. Oh, but whatever. I just wanted to make that dumb joke before I got to Superman because I just watched BVS again and I never gave my thoughts on him because the only reason I saw the movie was for Batman. But now, thanks to the fantastic Super- Superman the Animated Series, I like Superman. So I have things to say.
0: Oh, great. This should be
1: interesting. <laughs> so in regards to soups, I'm starting to think... Maybe those people talking about his films have, having a lighter tone might be on something. I don't think says want a psychodrama or an in-depth character study like they do with Batman. For a guy who flies around shooting lasers out of his eyes at robots and magic toy men, there's already a lot of great movies like District 9 uh, that deal with what would happen if aliens came to Earth and how we'd handle them. I'm not saying I want a Christopher Reeve Barney the Dinosaur version (laughs) of Superman like most seem to want. Heck, one would argue Barney, the last son of the T-Rex species, is more compelling than that Superman.
0: I don't know about that one, (laughs) Alex. That might be (laughs) stretching a little too far.
1: (laughs) Because he doesn't have superpowers. He doesn't super punch, super kiss, time travel, or use... (laughs) What is that, Tim?
0: The dev's ex machina?
1: Yeah, machina. Uh, Kryptonian technology, his way out of his problems. And he doesn't give in to his primal urges to eat the children. And instead... (laughs) Wait, what?
0: (laughs) I think he's talking about Barty. Not eating the children. (laughs) Hey, it's true. It's his primal urge to
1: hunt and eat. (laughs) I guess. And instead... He chooses to teach them compassion, good manners, and how to read, count, and sneak their mom's credit card out of her purse. Or at least that's what the kid I babysat told me when I caught her. But then she told me Superman to Oh, Superman taught her taught her how to lie. True story. And he even shaves, shaves his teeth down so the children won't be afraid. And can you imagine how difficult it is to operate in Barney's day to day life? He has no fingers. He even played outside with the kids in the snow. Do you know what that does to a cold-blooded creature? (laughs) (laughs) And he ate, got no perfect health health powers from the sun. So he has to endure endure one of the most human things of all, working and putting on a happy face during bad constipation. (laughs) Do you bleed? More like, do you get indigestion? But like I said, one could argue that, but certainly not me wow
0: (laughs) i gotta applaud you alex for (laughs) having a barney superman analogy (laughs) that i never
1: thought would be possible (laughs) Uh, but yet was still funny and (laughs) Oslo. i'm gonna save uh this next his spoilers for batman number six for when when we review it okay uh so so alex always has questions and his first question is What are your top five coolest Batman moments? For me, when Batman still tries to fight Bane after everything. Nightfall. Two, Batman standing up to Superman. The Dark Knight returns. Three, Batman's rematch with the mutant leader. The Dark Knight returns. Four, Batman riding a horse, snapping the gun, and inspiring the people to bring back order to Gotham. This is the weapon of the enemy. We do not use it. We will not use it. Tonight, we are the law. Tonight, I am the law. The Dark Knight returns. Uh, 5. Batman breaks into the corrupt elite's dining place. Ladies and gentlemen, you have eaten well. You've eaten Goth- Gotham's wealth, its spirit. Your feast is nearly over. From this moment on, none of you are safe. Batman, you're one. Tim? Uh,
0: again, Alex gives me tough choices <laughs> to think about and try to pick. So I'll give some that are coming to mind right now. They're not going to be in any particular order as far as like my number one, but I will say Alex does have one of them on there for me already as well. It's the one he mentioned in year one, when Batman, I like how it plays out in the comic and in the animated movie too. You see all those mobsters just talking at the dinner table, thinking they're all this and that and can't be stopped. And then Batman just gives them the scare of a lifetime. His dialogue's awesome. And he just looks cool in that sequence. So I agree with Alex on that one. And then another one that comes to mind is, of course, you're going to get a lot from Batman, the animated series for me, uh, Episode Over the Edge, the moment where he fights uh, Bane, even though it's just a dream, it's still a pretty cool, awesome Batman moment. I mean, you get it where he's lost everything, Barbara's dead, Gordon hates him, and he just takes on Bane, like, even says it. It makes no difference now, where Bane tells him to fight to the death. This is going to be Batman's last fight. And it was an epic one with Bane in front of the bat signal, and you got Gordon there all because he hired Bane to kill Batman, but then when Bane betrays Gordon, he is about to die and kick him off the roof, but then Batman just grabs Bane, flips him into the Bat-Signal, <laughs> the bat signal breaking it, and is about to give him this great punch, even though bat- Batman misses because Bane gets out of the way. But he's able to stop him by cutting off his Venom tube and electrifying him <laughs> by throwing it into the Bat-Signal. But then it gets topped off by him going to Jordan, and, or <laughs> Jordan, uh, Gordon, pleading with him to help to let him help him and for Barbara. It was just a great moment between those two after all they've been through in that episode. So it was a great moment for Batman, even though despite being a dream. And then another one that comes to mind is just his final battle with Joker in Return of the Joker. It's just a great moment for both characters, but even for Batman too. Hearing, seeing his reaction once Joker tells him who he knows that he's Bruce Wayne and after seeing what he does to Tim in those videos and he just goes all out and just beats him up grabs them and throws them against some boxes, choking him and just like I'm gonna break you into <laughs> this awesome stuff. It's like the cul- culmination of all the battles and fights that him and the Joker have had over the years led to that great moment. And then another one's gonna be another great Batman Joker moment, Dark Knight Return, one of my favorite Batman scenes moments, whatever you want to call it ever, with that interrogation room where Batman, you know, just goes all out on Joker in that moment as well. Just seeing that, because it's not like we first saw. That's the first time we've ever seen Wait, it. the
1: Dark Knight returns. Did I say Dark Knight <laughs> returns. I think so.
0: Okay, well the, Dark, sure. Knight, okay.
1: the Dark Knight.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this seen. Not the first time we've seen Batman go all out on the Joker, but seeing it in live action for the first time. It was. I don't know. It was. It left a core or left its mark on me when I saw. It, like man. They're just nailing Batman and the Joker right there. Just seeing Batman yell at him and punching him, and yet it's not doing anything for the Joker. So that's another one where it's a great moment for both. But a lot of people, and me included, think of that moment as far as being something great for the Joker. But Batman is awesome in that, too. Just once he hears that, he has uh, Rachel also. When he just doesn't care about rules and protocol. he just locks, puts the chair to lock the door, it just goes all out of the Joker. So that's another great moment. And I'm trying to think of another one off the top of my head.
1: You know which scene I like in uh The Dark Knight that that, that doesn't really get a lot of attention? Is which the that? um the rooftop scene with, with Dent, uh Gordon and Batman. Oh yeah. Straight out of the comics. Yeah. Straight what? out of Long Halloween.
0: Yeah, that is a good one. Yeah. But I just think of another one from the comics in the Court of Owls, where he's in the labyrinth and they have him. All drugged, and it looks. And they send a bunch of their members to go attack him. But then Batman just loses it, and <laughs> he goes all out and just takes out the different Court of Owls members. And it's it's drawn in a way where he almost looks like that owl monster at first, but then he you know slowly starts to become back to normal Batman. But he still doesn't look right. But he just goes all out on the Court of Owls. And this one they thought they had him, and they done what nobody could hardly do, which is. To break Batman, like physically and his spirit, but he comes back with a vengeance. It just takes them all out. Wow, that was another awesome moment. So I don't know if that's five, that might be four, but <laughs> that's what's coming to the, off the top of my head right
1: now. Okay, number five, I've already yeah. said, which is uh, the Dark Knight um, uh, rooftop scene with, with Dan, Gordon, and uh, Batman. Uh, number four. I'm probably going to say the Superman-Batman fight in The Dark Knight Returns. Uh, number three... Huh, um, damn it, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> he always does this to us, Tim. I know. Uh, number three is probably going to be the end of, um, Death, of the Fa- Death of the Family. Uh, number two is going to be uh, hmm. number two. You know what? I'll, I'll take Alex's one, uh, the, the the dinner scene in uh, year one. And the number one is definitely the Joker interrogation scene. It's just it, – it, it's the perfect scene. Yeah, Aaron. it really is. They're not doing anything but sitting at a table with each other.
0: Um, They're both – perfectly embodying the characters that we've loved for so long <laughs> in Batman and the Joker <laughs> in like, It's so awesome. Alex,
1: is like oh, no, I, okay. I actually thought of two more. Oh, you did? Okay.
0: Now, one of them might technically be a Bruce Wayne moment, but still. <laughs> kind of counts as Batman, I would think. It's from Robin's Reckoning once uh, he tells uh, little Dick Grayson about losing his parents, too, and Dick's asking if the hurt ever goes away and Batman says it just gets better in time. That's just a great moment, you know, cementing yeah. the bond that those two are going to have as Batman and Robin. So I count that as a Batman moment. And then another one, too, is from The Untold Legend of the Batman, where Batman confronts Joe Chill and reveals his identity to him. He just gives a great, I don't want to call it a speech, but he has some great dialogue in there when he tells them that, like, I am the son of the man you murdered. I am Bruce Wayne. In That panel where he actually takes off his ham- his mask and you see the reaction of Joe Chill on there. Just awesome stuff so seeing batman confront his parents killer is always a moment that i remembered from reading that comic so that one is another one of my
1: favorites on you know what else i watched i watched uh supergirl oh yeah the first episode i liked it yeah it, surprisingly
0: it's, yeah it's really good but it kind of tampers off a little bit of the last two episodes oh really yeah the whole season overall is really good i'm excited for the second one
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> I will say the way they handled Superman in the first season where they kind of acknowledge him but they don't want to show him got a little annoying at times especially yeah. in the finale so I'll prepare you for that but overall okay. it's good so <laughs> I'm glad you like it.
1: Yeah and is that Dean Cain mm-hmm. uh, who plays her uh, adopted father? Yep. Her adopted father. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
0: so do you know about any other characters who show up on the show in season one? No. No, okay. I don't. So there's gonna be a cool
1: surprise coming up pretty soon. What is Dean Kane gonna try?
0: No. <laughs> Nothing to do with Dean Kane, but oh, okay. <laughs> someone
1: else. It's a cool twist. If it's not Dean Kane, I don't care.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I should say it does t- tie into Dean Kane's character in the
1: episode or the season later also. Oh, is it Lois?
0: No. Oh. Just wait. You'll you'll know when you okay. see it. <laughs> okay.
1: Uh, his second question is we all know Batman Batman's the greatest but who are your other top five favorite fictional vigilantes? For me, one, Homer Simpson. He may be corrupt and incompetent, but he caught the cat burglar, and that's all that matters. Oh, wait, maybe it was Grandpa Simpson. Actually, I think it was the cat burglar. Still, he's been a vin- vigilante vigilante at least three more times.
0: Uh, that episode's a classic where they try to get the cat burglar. <laughs> they just um, do these little petty. Uh, things to stop like small crimes like someone was burning leaves without a permit. <laughs> they just go and like, travel the leaves and that. I got one. Do it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that Simpsons during that era is so good. Uh, his second is Edmund Dantes. Dantes?
0: The Count of Monte Cristo? I would just call is, him that.
1: <laughs> is that how you uh, say that? I guess so. Okay. Uh, he probably has the most well-known and best revenge story ever told. Before I knew Bane, I thought of Edmund as the ultimate prison survivor, and it gave me hope of surviving prison if I was ever wrong, wrongly convicted of something.
0: <laughs> well, hopefully you'll never have to <laughs> think of the Count of Monte Cristo with that aspect <laughs> while
1: you're in jail, Alex. <laughs> uh, three is Robin Hood. I dressed up as this guy for, Hall- for Halloween one year. Um, Robin Hood along with Zorro and the Three Musketeers inspired so many great stick sword fights as a kid also with wood and string we had imaginary archery battles uh, for Zorro because why not he inspired Batman and I also dressed up as him for Halloween I wonder what else Alex is dressed up for as Halloween <laughs>
0: yeah I has to let us know in the next email yeah. all the great uh, costumes he's worn over the years yeah.
1: <laughs> Five is Wally West. The Justice League Unlimited episode The Flash and the Substance perfectly encapsulates why I love him. Dude, as soon as you you finish work. Is dude, as soon as you finish your drink, turn yourself in. Is my favorite non-Batman superhero quote.
0: <laughs> yeah, Flash is so awesome. That's yeah. uh, for me, yeah, Alex has two of them that I would pick, Robin Hood and Zorro just classic legendary vigilante heroes and like you said Zorro played an important part in Batman in the fictional world and even for Bob Kane and uh that's why I don't remember how mainly Bob Kane and his aspect for Batman and Bill Finger but I'm sure Bill Finger likes Zorro also <laughs> and then um, another one I gotta pick is Spider-Man my second favorite superhero ever and I think he still counts as a vigilante and then um, one of the character I grew up liking a lot, but you know, haven't really stuck as a big fan. <laughs> but he's still a cool character. Was the Lone Ranger, and he, I know he had his movie in 2013, which you know wasn't as bad as the reputation it has, but nothing great either. But I always liked the Lone Ranger as a kid. And then for my last one, there's another good vigilante because you know, like, vigilante is different from just superhero because Green Lantern's not. A vigilante. I wouldn't say Superman's a vigilante. So it can't necessarily go to my other favorite heroes. But, you know what? I've been watching or uh, rewatching uh, a Daredevil Netflix series with my brother who's never seen <laughs> it for the first time. Uh, you took my too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just being reminded of how awesome that show is and what a cool character Daredevil is. So I'll put him there too.
1: <laughs> yeah. So for me, uh, definitely Daredevil. Uh, two, um, The Punisher. Because I've been reading uh, Becky Cloonan's Punisher, mm. it's really, really good. Okay, yeah. See, Daredevil
0: should... season two was the first time I've ever liked the Punisher as a character. <laughs> I'm never <laughs> a big fan of him, but they did a
1: great job with him in that season. Read her, um, her Punisher. Okay, yeah.
0: How
1: old is it? It's it's new. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's going on right now. Okay, it's gotcha. issue four. Um. Yeah, her Punisher is really good. Uh, kind of makes me sad that you know she's not working for DC anymore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, three. Dang it, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> um. You know I'm just gonna go with two. The two then. Okay. So yeah. nobody's so, a to
0: force it if you can't think of any. <laughs> yeah, I
1: can't think of anything. So. Uh, Thank you, Alex, for your email. We always enjoy reading them. And you really stumped us, or stumped me on this one <laughs> with your questions. So. Yeah, it
0: took me a while to think of those favorite Batman moments, too. There's so many.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, thank you for that. Um, so now we can move on to uh, Jordan's email, right? Yep. All right.
0: I'll go ahead and read that one. It says, Hey, Tim and Dane, great feature topic in episode 116. I apparently miss when you solicited listener answers via Twitter, but I've got my picks for Batman stories I'd like to see adapted. Number three, Jordan says, The Black Mirror. This is actually my favorite Scott Snyder story. The first part of the story where, Deke sneaks into, where Dick sneaks into the mirror house and gets caught is one of the most suspenseful things I've ever read. The part where he describes how most of the people in the Mirror House are normal people with families and not typical criminals is so interesting to me because it shows how dangerous Gotham is even beyond the costume villains. Then the story about Jim Gordon's son is excellent. He is so creepy. Man, those flashbacks <laughs> are terrifying. And it's such a great mystery what he is doing back in Gotham.
1: It's yeah. also my favorite uh, Scott Snyder storyline.
0: Yeah, so I haven't read that in a long, long time since it first came out. I should go back and read it because it was. It's really good. Yeah, what do you, like Jordan said, what he did with Jim Gordon Jr. and how he brought him into this uh, story as this like, really creepy, great villain. And sadly, it's, he was never used well again after that. But Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: It's actually done really, really well. And I, I think we kind of forget about that. I know. They're bringing in a character that, you know, if it was any other writer, it would feel forced. But with Scott Snyder, he kind of just hinted at it at first. And yeah. then... Yeah, yeah, and then he um, brings him in full force um, into the book, and yeah, it's absolutely natural. Yeah, and, and what people also forget is how short that storyline was. It was the the Black Mirror storyline I'm talking about. It's It's only like four or five issues, and in in this time where we have, like, especially in the New Fifty Two, where, where the Court of Owls and Death of a Family were these huge cross title stories yeah at, with, with multiple, multiple, yeah with multiple 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 issues that you had to collect and read and um with with black mirror it was only five issues contained in uh, detective at the time so yeah it's it, it's one of my favorites
0: no doubt yep <laughs> and number two he yeah, has the long halloween the only one of my picks that one of you guys named as well other other than the tie-in comics to the animated series, this was the first comic book I ever read, so it has a very special place in my heart. I've always appreciated Batman's story's focus on the crime families of Gotham. It incorporates a ton of the villains of Gotham, and it tells a tragic origin story for Harvey Dent, who I agree could really use a chance to shine in a AOM line. Like the Black Mirror, it's a great mystery, and the reveal at the end about Holiday is just as shocking every time I revisit it. And for number one, he picked Hush. Okay, you got me. Jeff Loeb is my all-time favorite Batman writer. I'm shocked neither of you picked this one. Another story in which Loeb seamlessly incorporates a huge chunk of Batman's rogues gallery. I give it extra points for its take on the uh, Batman-Catwoman relationship as well. Hush is one of my favorite villains because of his past with Bruce Wayne, a past that goes even further than Bruce and Harvey's friendship. Any villain who has personal ties to a hero is very compelling to me. I think that both Long Halloween and Hush would need and are worthy of the two-movie treatment that only The Dark Knight Returns has received so far. However, I really like Dane's idea about a serialized Batman series that would adapt such stories. One of the reasons I love Beware the Batman so much was because it was the first serialized Batman series, so I think there's already evidence that it could work. I actually really like Gotham, guys. <laughs> I do have my complaints, but there is so much that I love that I tend to give a lot of those things a pass. I am thinking one of the few people that like Season 1 a little better than Season 2, though. I liked how it felt sort of like a police procedural set in Gotham City, and Hugo Strange creating like half of Batman's rogues gallery in Season 2 didn't sit well with me. Despite the change to the mask, I am super excited for the Court of Owls. Because of their long history in Gotham City, I think they're sort of the perfect villains for a prequel show. Yeah, sorry Jordan, I went off on a Gotham ran, uh, rant slash tangent <laughs> last episode. <laughs> I'm glad you still like it, but the season two finale just left me so frustrated. So uh, hopefully season three can maybe turn me around on it, but I'm not expecting it. But hopefully you still continue to enjoy it. And he goes on to say, I just read the preview of Batman number six, along with an interview with Tom King, which together explained a lot of the ending of issue five. I guess the issue will be about the time uh, this episode is released. So we'll all know even more by then. But it looks like Gotham Girl will be sticking around, and her relationship with Duke will indeed be explored. I really can't praise this I Am Gotham arc enough. It put Batman in a situation I can't remember ever seeing him have to deal with, and it ended with the birth of a hero. I bought and watched Batman Unlimited, Mechs vs. Mutants, the day it came out. I liked the first two films in the series, but this was definitely my favorite of the three. It got a better plot and more character development. Not every scene turned into an action sequence, as well as more fan service and cameos, including one that nearly made me jump out of my seat. Yeah, I'm going to have to check this one out and catch up on the second one, too, because, yeah, Jordan says it's good, and the first one, Animal Instincts, wasn't bad. It was fun, but if Jordan says this one has a better plot, then it should make it more of an enjoyable movie, so I'll have to look that one up and check it out soon. And then Jordan has some questions for us. He goes... If you had to build a five-member suicide squad for your own use with only members of Batman's rogues gallery that have appeared in live-action movies so far, who would be in it? Remember to keep in mind skill sets and who you'd keep controlled. In other words, not just your favorite villains. I'd go with Tom Hardy's Bane, Arnold Schwarzenegger's Mr. Freeze, Uma Thurman's Poison Ivy, Will Smith's Deadshot, and um, Adewale Akinnuoye Gobde's <laughs> uh, Killer Croc. I'd butcher that actor's name, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, it paid me to include villains from Batman and Robin on here, but honestly they are two of the more powerful Batman villains who have appeared in live action. I probably would have included either Pfeiffer or Hathaway's Catwoman instead of one of them, I don't consider Catwoman a villain. Yeah, this was an interesting one, because <laughs> when I read it, it's not really? Twist of Freeze and Uma Thurman's Poison Ivy? But <laughs> uh, they can be easily controlled, so <laughs> I guess that plays a factor, but Uh, For me, I'd still want to try to have the best team possible. And if they have their explosive chips in their brain, they could probably be controlled more than usual. So I agree. I'd definitely go with Tom Hardy's Bane. I'd go with uh, Scarecrow from Batman Begins. I'd go... I think I would go with Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman. Uh, Both her and Hathaway's Catwoman are great, but I think I want to see Pfeiffer's mix it up with other team of villains. So um, that's three. Then I'd probably go with Riddler from Batman Forever. you got to have one genius on there. And yeah, he was definitely over the top. But like I said, that chip can hopefully (laughs) keep him in check. And then for five, you know what? I'm going to cheat here. But she was great in the Suicide Squad movie. So Harley Quinn. (laughs) you got to have a Suicide Squad with Harley Quinn now. So
1: (laughs) that would be my five picks. Uh, Definitely Harley. He's not a... um, uh a Batman rogues gallery villain that's appeared in a movie, but uh, plastic man, how can you, <laughs> he uh, would
0: actually be pretty good at yeah. <laughs> a squad team, I think. Uh,
1: three, Bob from, uh, you know, <laughs> four, um, hmm, four, I would say, um, that, that big clown from, uh, or, or that big thug guy from Batman Returns. Oh,
0: okay. The one who yeah, yeah. dumps down the sewer and explodes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, number five, um, probably Bane from Batman and Robin, but only <laughs> if he wears the giant monkey outfit.
0: <laughs> wow, you! I think you got the Suicide Squad team to beat right there, Dave.
1: <laughs> How can you beat them? You can't because you'll be laughing too hard.
0: (laughs) That should be the team that the Justice League goes up against in the new comic, that's (laughs) happening.
1: (laughs) Or even the new Suicide Squad, the the Suicide Squad sequel. There you go. (laughs) Replace the whole cast except for uh, Marco Robbie.
0: Uh, That'd be a great callback to all the old Batman movies. (laughs) Uh, But Jordan's second question is, Kind of backing back off of one of my questions last episode, who are your three favorite Batman and Joker voice actors other than Conroy and Hamill? Dane picking John, not Joe, DiMaggio as one of his favorite voice actors got me thinking about how many other great voice actors we've gotten besides the big two. For Batman, I'd go with Jeremy Sisto, number three, number two, Bruce Greenwood, and number one, Jason O'Mara. And for Joker, I'd go with three, Troy Baker, uh, number two, John DiMaggio, and number one, Michael Emerson. So for me, uh, Batman, my number one choice after Conroy would be Bruce Greenwood. He was awesome in Under the Red Hood and continued to be a great Batman in Young Justice. And number two, I'm going to go with Diedrich Bader in The Brave and the Bold. He perfectly fit a lighter tone Batman but still was got serious when he needed to be, and especially in the episode Chill of the Night. So Diedrich Bader would be my number two. And for number three, I think I'm... Yeah, I think I'm gonna go with Jason O'Mara too. He's done a. He's won me over the more I've seen him in the animated movies. At first in Justice League War, his first line of dialogue sounded real off and not Batman-like, but he got better once that movie went along, and then all the movies that came out after. He's he's grown on me a lot, so I go with him as my number three Batman. And then for Joker, I go with number uh, one, definitely Troy Baker, especially if you're looking for a great Mark Hamill. Uh, replication of that voice, and he's not doing... Mark Hamill's not available. Uh, Troy Baker knocked it out of the park in Arkham Origins. And then, number
1: two,
0: I'd probably go with Joe De- <laughs> I made the mistake again. Call him Joe. <laughs> John Joe DiMaggio,
1: DiMaggio. Joe yes. DiMaggio. John DiMaggio. Joe <laughs> DiMaggio. John DiMaggio.
0: One <laughs> uh, of these days I'll get it right. Yeah, John one is DiMaggio. A,
1: one is a baseball legend, and the other is a really good voice actor but they
0: both start with j it makes it so yeah. <laughs> so he's my number two and then number three i'm gonna pick one that's a little different i'm gonna go with kevin michael richardson from the batman now that joker visually <laughs> is definitely not my favorite design but he did a good job voicing him and i think what makes me appreciate him more just how different he really made his voice sound for the joker because kevin michael richardson he has a deep voice and you wouldn't expect him when you hear him talk and I hear him in other roles. Like, he does the Shredder voice in the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series, and he does a fantastic job, but you don't think that would make for a good Joker. And once you hear him in the Batman show, he does have a good Joker voice. So, while it's not my favorite interpretation of the character, I think Kevin Michael Richardson does a great job. So, I'll go with him for number three.
1: Uh, For me, I pretty much agree with um, uh, Jordan's three bad. Uh, alternate voices for Batman. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
1: and for the Joker, it would be the opposite way he has it. So uh, Michael Emerson is number three, John DiMaggio is number two, and then number one is Troy Baker. I just like Troy Baker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he, he's done a lot of stuff.
0: You know what? I'm going to change mine for my Batman. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Jason O'Mara, but I thought of someone who I really liked as Batman, except he's only done it once. And that's going to be uh, Michael Ironside as the Dark Knight Returns Batman. So good. I mean, he's amazing as Dark Side. Yeah. But then when I heard him as the Dark Knight Returns Batman, I was like, oh, perfect. And I wish he would have done the movie because to see the whole story of the Dark Knight Returns with him as Batman's voice would have been so cool. So... I love that performance, as short as it was. So I'm going to put him as number three. And sorry, Jason O'Meara, you're bumped to number four. But yeah, that's it from Jordan. Thanks again for the email and more good questions. A lot of good questions on this episode and (laughs) what I had to think about. So thanks, guys, as always.
1: I I feel like I have to bring this up, Tim, because I, I liked it. And I didn't really see a lot of people or other people liking it. But I liked... Uh, Brian Cranston as um, Gordon in Year One. Yeah, he did a really good job. Yeah, he was great. (laughs) Um,
0: He could actually play him in live action too and (laughs) be a good Gordon.
1: But yeah, anyway, uh, we got comics for this episode, Batman Number Six. Uh, But like we say at the beginning of every single comic book review that we do, Tim, we have to say that this is going to. we're going to spoil this comic. We're going to talk about it a lot, right, Tim?
0: Yes, we are. It so, wouldn't be the same as our normal comic reviews if we do not do spoilers. <laughs> how can we not do it?
1: So, if you haven't read Batman number six yet, pause it right now. Right now. Pause it right now, Tim.
0: Okay, I'm pausing. I'm
1: pausing. <laughs> and go read Batman number six and then come back to this part because. You don't want to be spoiled on Batman number six. And our rating scale for this episode is going to be uh, comparisons that Alex can come up with between Superman and Barney. So, Batman number six, Tim.
0: Yeah, well, unfortunately, we only got one comic to review on this episode because August was five weeks. And always on that fifth week, they don't put out the normal book, so... This episode, we have to just go through one, No Detective or Wonder Woman, which we've had a good run of covering all three of those comics all in a row with our episodes, So, But Batman number six, this one, I'll just say right off the bat as I was reading it, I thought, man, this is just going to be a typical Batman issue that we've gotten so far on Rebirth. Good and okay, but not great. Because it's basically, it starts off with... um, You're seeing it's a story that takes place that shows you every day of the week starting with Monday. And you see Gotham Girl, you know, all happy. Uh, She's talking to someone, but you don't realize right away. But later you get uh, the reveal that she's talking to her brother in her head where, you know, that she killed him in the last uh, issue of this arc. But in this issue, she's, you know, still going out to be a hero. She cuts her hair, shaves her head. She has a new look. And we get to see basically her days of the week of saving Gotham and fighting crime all the while talking to her brother and she's in good spirits. She's saying how happy she is, how fun this is and like talking to her pretending like she's talking to her brother saying, Oh, this is what we've always wanted. She's in good spirits and you see her taking out <laughs> just these really lame villains. Like the first one she encounters on Tuesday, is called Colonel blimp. Uh, you see her take out like a pirate and then later, uh, kite man i believe <laughs> later on so taking out these lesser known villains and this has kind of been one of my knocking points on the story arc overall by tom king is that i mean there's nothing wrong with it being a more lighter tone but it seems like he's going out of his way to put more funnier moments at in the stories like with alfred dressing up as batman and now taking all these lame villains who are coming off as a joke uh it's just not seeming natural to me or it's not hitting all the right marks that i think it's intending to so uh, this is something that stuck out to me because it's playing for a little more comical than i thought and i'm not sure it's working quite well because that pirate villain you see him taking these guys who are dressed up in these cheap batman costumes walking off the plank of a building and they're they're supposed to come off comical but again it's just i think a little more than i expected so we know that batman or we see that batman's monitoring to a gotham girl As She patrols the city every night and Duke's telling Batman, you know, we got to do something. We got to save her because she's still under psycho pirates, not control, but she's been driven mad by him. And what we found out about her powers kind of absorbing her life, the more she goes out, the more she's killing herself. And Batman saying, you know, I know, I know I have to do this. And so, um, like I said, it plays out where Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we see her taking down these different funny criminals. And Batman tries to confront her one time. And after she takes out that pirate, and he tries to offer uh, her help, just saying, you know, come with me, I can help you. But she's, like, starstruck when she sees Batman. Like, she's meeting him for the first time because we know how obsessed her and her brother were. And she's all, like, can you believe it? Uh, We're seeing Batman. It's really him. Like, I can't believe this. Hank, Batman's here. So she's not all there, and Batman sees that. And so we know he has to do something different to change up uh, his approach to help her. So the last night she's out, which is a Saturday in the story, she takes out Kite Man, but then Batman shines the bat signal right in front of her. She's flying in the sky. And he goes, you know, Gotham Girl, I'm not here to help you. I thought maybe you can help me just like you're helping the city. And he asks her, like, why are you doing this? Why are you helping the city? And she tells him, you know, that it's really or she's actually talking, you know, still to her brother that's not there it's still showing that she's not all up." not all there mentally and she goes then she later goes on to say where it just hurts so much when you're alone helping gotham makes it hurt less and she's slowly coming out of it and then batman does what he has to do to really reach to her which is take off his mask and reveal that he is bruce wayne and he tells her the story of what made him become batman how he lost his parents but what i really liked here and this is where the issue went from just okay to good to great in my opinion where we just get Bruce, you know, open himself up to Gotham Girl. And he tells about the murder of his mother in particular in a way we haven't really gotten before, where he goes, my father was a good man, but I could never talk, you know, very formal. Or he was very formal. But I could always talk to my mother. She was the only one. And he goes on to say, you know, I went and held my mother's hand when she died. It wasn't cold, but there was blood on her hand. And he says, that's when it started. I talked with her, even with the Blood in her hands, and the sirens coming. I still talk to her, and I, still, and he goes, I still have to do it now. And then we great get these great panels of art where that's where Gotham Girl just loses and breaks down. She gives Batman a hug. Batman hugs her back, and she just says, "I don't feel good. I miss him. I just miss." I mean, just great. This great panel where this the artist just captures her pain so beautifully. We see the tears coming down her face. Her hand is clutched in a fist just hugging batman and batman's there just going i know i know just a great emotional moment between batman and gotham girl where i hope just this starts on something like a new relationship batman's gonna have with a hero to help you know grow and come into their own like he did with all the robins and what he's doing now with duke so just a great moment really harking back to what i mentioned earlier was one of my favorite batman moments where he opened up to Dick about his parents being killed, and this reminded me a lot of that. It was just so good. And then the issue ended where Batman's talking with Amanda Waller and he's, you know, trying to get more information on what happened with Doctor Strange, or Hugo Strange and a Psycho Pirate, and Waller reveals to her that Strange exchanged Psycho Pirate to Bane for Venom because he, I guess he's going to use that Venom for his monster experiments, and Bane wants Psycho Pirate for some reason which they didn't really reveal yet. But Amanda Waller knows there's gonna be something dangerous that Bane is doing and Batman wants to go there to get Psychopirate back because you know he wants to try to help Gotham Girl and break whatever mind control he has on her. So Batman's working that's not necessarily gonna work with Waller, but he's saying he's gonna go in there pretty much no matter what. And Waller is, you know, the last word of dialogue is that's crazy, you're probably not gonna come back. One might even say it's suicide. Wink, wink. (laughs) So, we know we got teases before of when the next story arc coming up here in Batman, where he's going to have his own version of the Suicide Squad. Which you know, I don't know. I got to wait and see because this goes back to where Batman already has a number of allies he can use. First, just the normal members of the Bat family: Batgirl, Nightwing, Robin. But then we just—he has his own team already in Detective that he can use and. I guess you could say they're off doing their own things, and but the stories are obviously not at, going on at the same time because Batman wouldn't be dealing with uh, Gotham and Gotham Girl and then what he's dealing with in Detective with uh, Colonel Kane and his arm, army of Batman. So these have to be taking place at different times. So part of me thinks he easily could have got those other heroes that he's worked with before to be part of his team instead of establishing a new suicide squad. So... Maybe there'll be a good reason for it, and they'll explain it, of why he's not going to use any other members of the Batman family. But right now, it just makes me a little bit skeptical, and, you know, the cynic in me is just thinking, oh, another just tie into Suicide Squad. Batman doesn't need a new team, but yet they're going to do it to tie in with the movie. So maybe it'll all work out in the end, but right now I'm just a little concerned about where this Batman Suicide Squad story is going to go. But I am excited for him to go confront Bane instead of Prisco. so that should be cool. So overall, yeah, this issue became just okay to a great one for me, all because of that ending and that uh, dialogue and that great art with Batman and Gotham Girl. It was just so good. So I'm going to give this one a four out of five uh, Superman-Barney analogies that Alex was able to come with. If it didn't have that ending, I probably just would have given it a two. That's how good it was. I bumped it up two points (laughs) up to a four because of that ending sequence. I just loved it so much.
1: Yeah, and I didn't read it yet, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but but that's okay, because um, your review was good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I would say, you know what happens at the end now that I said it, but you got to look at that artwork for that and panel sequence. is just so good. It really captures the emotion of it.
1: All right, I will.
0: But uh, uh you want to go back to oh, Alex's email?
1: Or oh, yeah, email? yeah, right. I forgot. He, uh... He said something about it and he says uh, so back to Batman I just finished reading Batman 6 and I really enjoyed it my heart broke for a Gotham girl you guys might have a problem with Batman showing his identity but I loved it it's my favorite moment in a Batman comic since Batman and Robin Requiem Mark I'm always hesitant about bringing superpowered stuff into the Batman titles but the way her power works is great it's kind of it kind of reminded me of how Super Saiyan 3 worked. Okay.
0: I get what Alex is talking about there. So.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Being Dragon Ball Z fans, I know exactly what he's talking about.
1: <laughs> she had the long blonde hair. Oh, and Bane's back. I can't wait. I don't know about his outfit, but I trust Tom King will make him great. It looks like they're combining the Batman the Animated Series and New Adventures of Batman design which is definitely something. Well, whatever. Tom King 2016, make Bane great again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you know what? Bane hasn't been great in the comics for a while, so (laughs) I'm all for that. You know what? It's not going to change my score or anything for the comic, but there was something else I forgot to mention that bugged me in it. And it's really the way Alfred's been handled in Tom King's story so far. Yeah, I know I said that thing about him and what was it? Issue two about Bruce saying he doesn't even trust him and everyone but me took it as a joke. <laughs> and then there was a way Alfred dressed up as Batman, which didn't really work. And then there was a moment here, which I thought could have been a really great bit for Batman and Alfred. Because after Gotham Girl first leaves Batman's uh, uh, she leaves him after he first offers to help her. He goes to Alfred. He just asks her uh, to Alfred, when it happened to mother and father, how did you help me? And then Alfred kind of turns it into a joke. He goes, Master Bruce, with all due respect, each night you leave this perfectly lovely house and go leaping off building dressed dress as a giant bat. Do you really think I helped you? I was like, again, that's another moment that, yeah, it's being played up as a joke, but it doesn't fit to me. It doesn't hit the mark that it's trying to go for. It. In this situation, Bruce is, you know, asking for his father figure that he's lived with his whole life for help like how did you do it and how did you help I me mean, now I expected alfred you know to really be there and say what he did to steer bruce on the right path and get him through this, that tough time of his life of losing his parents but instead he turns it into a joke so not enjoying alfred in the story arc i should have to say so hopefully it gets better over time but I'm not a big fan of tom king's alfred <laughs>
1: um so, so so yeah i guess i i guess we're done right tim
0: yeah, we've covered it because only one issue <laughs> this episode. It's taking August and it's five weeks.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, just go over to batmanuniverse.net so on facebook.com slash batmanuniverse and twitter handles at batmanuniverse. Our show's twitter handles at Bad Fans Podcast, and Tim's twitter handles at timg 311 <laughs> I need
0: to go into another concert to let you say three
1: eleven again. So, so how does that guy from the Ninja Turtles podcast? How does he know it's Tim G three eleven? Well, he must know
0: the, the band name, I would guess. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> which I got to say, the, since you mentioned it, shout out to Ryan at the Turtle Power Podcast. Who it's a great podcast if you're a turtle fan like me to check out. But yeah. he did give our show a shout out once he read one of my tweets, which I really appreciated. So, Ryan, thank you very much.
1: And it's weird because he's—I mean, it was like I was, uh, I was saying to you, Tim. Uh, I'm not a Ninja Turtles fan, but he's so passionate that he makes—he makes, he, he makes <laughs> me wish that I was one. Yeah. I mean, well, he's talking about like the action figures, these weird comics, like the Ninja Turtle comics or whatever. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, it Dave, it's never like, too late. You can always join the <laughs> turtle family. be part of us. <laughs> um. But anyway, yeah, and my Twitter handle is at Dane Says Bananas. So, uh, oh, one more thing. If you want to email us, you can email us at batfansanduphands at gmail.com. And also, uh, if you want, you can review us on iTunes. So please do that if you want to. Uh, but like we say at the end of every single episode, yeah, if you're ever feeling alone in this world, just know that Tim and Dane care about you and love you. Right there. What's all Alright, that's it. See you guys next time. See you next time everybody. <laughs>